Blue Cliff Record, Case 63, Nonsen Kills a Cat. Engo's Introduction. What is beyond conceptualization must be the focus of attention. What is beyond words requires earnest investigation. When lightning flashes and shooting stars fall, it is possible to drain the deepest lakes and topple mountains. Do you have this ability? Main subject. One day, Nansen saw the monks of the eastern and western halls quarreling over a cat. He picked up the cat and said, If you can say a word, I will not kill the cat. No one could respond. Nansen cut the cat in two. Secho's verse. Dumbfounded, the monks of both halls, stirring up dust and smoke, unable to resolve. Fortunately, Nansen was in command. One cut cutting through both sides. You are sitting behind someone on a chair and wish to move to see better, please take this opportunity. Otherwise, make yourselves at home. You are at home. Yes?
you just got settled, I'm drinking my tea. Does this mean you should be unsettled? <laughs> On such a day, I think it was something like three below without the wind chill factor the morning before session or maybe the morning that session started. And now drip, 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 drip. Melting, melting, melting. All of the icy formations that we have taken to be who we really are. Last night, I had a dream that went on and on and on. I would wake up and return. It was such a wonderful dream. You were all with me, and we were in deep samadhi. Waking, dreaming, awakening. So beautiful. Refreshed. Yes. You remember this is what the Buddha taught. I keep telling you this, so I'm hoping by now you remember exactly what I am about to say. I and all beings together. When one person awakens, all beings awaken. Or as Dylan said, you can be in my dream if I can be in yours, yippee! We are. We are all in this together. And what is it that we are in together? Well, my friend Larry Shainberg, after MLK session in New York City, sent me a picture on his phone, came on my phone, and it was a picture of a truck parked in front of a gym on a New York City street. And on the truck, the lettering read, Secure destruction you can trust. <laughs> of course, this is session, right? 
the great deconstruction of all the edifices we have built to protect these separated identities. Secure destruction. This is, after all, nonsense kills a cat. Son Roshi's favorite expression for the stranglehold of our delusions, his favorite expression to somehow become freed from them was cut, kill! Cut, 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 kill! So he wanted to name Daibosatsu Zendo Cut, Kill Mountain, Catskill Mountain, maybe nonsense Zendo. But after deep reflection with Ada Roshi... <laughs> They thought it might be a bit intimidating for the cat lovers who might want to come there. But of course, the deep meaning of cut, kill, cut, cut, cut. And this uh, koan, K63, is followed by K64, and both represent what many of you have already worked on in the Mumonkan, the Gateless Barrier, Case 14. Nansen kills a cat, in which Joshu also figures. And so he will, next session, we will look at the second part of this cut-kill story. Joshu puts a sandal on his head. So this koan, originally case 14 and taken up again in the Blue Cliff record, is one that has invited deep and penetrating inquiry throughout the history of Koan Zen. Well, for one thing, it's a rather disturbing koan, right? So, some koans... What is Buddha? This very mind is Buddha. Oh, okay, thank you. That tasted good. This one, not so much. This one is somewhat indeed intimidating. If not shocking.
There are many levels to understand in this killing what the teaching here is. But let's start with Engo's introduction. He says, what is beyond conceptualization must be the focus of attention. Of course, he's talking to us as we approach this koan. Conceptualization will be of no avail. What is beyond words requires earnest investigation. Whatever we think we can come up with in looking at this koan will not be a matter of language. And of course our usual way of approaching something, particularly something difficult, is through the literal understanding. To grasp it fully, this will not help. Again and again we find this doesn't work. Nonsense, action, cannot be understood through concepts and explanations. And in fact, there isn't a single koan in all the 1,700 cases that can be fully revealed through any explanation. And so a teisho cannot be an explanation of the Dharma. The Dharma cannot be explained. Again and again in the Diamond Sutra, we hear this. Yet still we want something we can use. We want something that will help us see what's going on. And so we fall back to this search for some literal interpretation. But what's required, especially for this koan, what is required? I gave you a hint already. Hmm? Yes, this is what's required. Yesterday, in Nikyu's wonderful talk, he gave us a, a true personal expression of all that shouting and all those blows. And today we have someone with a knife killing a cat. What is Zen?
you might be wondering what's all this about? Why do we need all this? What do you think, Sabuti? <laughs> Why? You mentioned the stranglehold. Say that again. The stranglehold. What stranglehold? Of delu- delusory thinking. Yes, the stranglehold of delusory thinking. How many times have we each experienced how difficult it is to break through that dualistic mindset? We're so well trained. Zen training is to break through that training in dualistic thinking. In a word, secure destruction you can trust. (laughs) So it requires this kind of extreme and vivid and intimate After all, what could be more intimate than that? What could be? Oh, how about a hug? Ugh. Everybody wants a nice, warm embrace. Nobody wants to be chased away with a stick or a knife. But what are we here for? To feel a little better? Wake up. Wake up. Because no matter how many band-aids you use, until you have this true experience, you will always suffer from the dis-ease of dukkha. And even after you have this experience, here it is again, new and subtle form of construction. So, we have to have this dramatic functioning that Nansen represents in this koan. This lightning, the shooting stars falling. What could be more dramatic in its expression of his functioning? Draining the deepest lakes, toppling mountains. And then Engo wants to know, how about you?
Well, let's go to the main subject. Who is the main subject here in this case? Kyoko points to herself. The cat is alive and well. One day, Nansen saw the monks of the eastern and western halls quarreling over a cat. What do you think they were saying to each other? What was the quarrel all about? What was the argument? Possession. Maybe the monks in the Eastern Hall were saying, why did the cat come from the Western Hall? <laughs> now he's mine. And the monks in the Western Hall maybe were saying, oh no, that's not a cat. It only looks like a cat. <laughs> and then maybe the other monks were saying, does a cat have Buddha nature? <laughs> And the other monks were saying, how can it have Buddha nature? It is in the animal realm, only in the human realm do we have the consciousness that allows us to awaken. The other hall, oh no, even a cat can awaken. Oh no. So you can see there might be plenty of ammunition, as there always is. Have you noticed? The moment you fall into that dualistic mindset, there are always plenty of things to bring up as reasons for whatever it is that you are doing that you secretly wish you weren't. But you have to justify it so that nobody can suspect that the quarrel is one you don't know how to resolve. So we all have this going on from time to time. And Hakuin says of these students of the Eastern and Western halls discoursing about the meaning of Buddhism, the ailment of chest swelling in students. Oh, well, my way of saying it is, oh, well, too bad. Oh, I see. Hmm, you don't see. Chest swelling. So with all these puffed up arguments going on, all these 
self-righteous views being proffered, all these suppositions about Buddha nature or about training. Well, at our monastery, the training is... Well, I don't think that you're really going... All the speculation about what reality is. What's a teacher to do? Hang up your kesaku and walk out. Or, if you have a great heart of compassion, whip out your knife. This nonsense. The word in Engo's commentary is imperative. To take the imperative, to act. So nonsense picked up the cat and said, If you can say a word, I will not kill the cat. No one could respond. So, nonsense, cut the cat in two. Dogen said of this case, cutting into two is easy to see, but cutting into one is invisible even to Setcho, the compiler of the Blue Cliff Record who wrote the verse. He also said, it isn't cutting through a cat, it's cutting through Buddha. Of course, Rinzai's famous expression was, if you meet the Buddha, kill him. If you meet the ancestral teacher, kill her. So this goes deeper than merely speaking about cutting through delusions or dualities. Today we heard a number of passages in the Diamond Sutra that elucidate what's going on here. There is no passing away or coming into existence. So what about this cat? And again, wherever there are material characteristics, there is delusion. 
But whoever understands that all characteristics are, in fact, no characteristics, sees the Tathagata. When you look at this cat gripped by Nansen and the knife about to cut it into two, do you see material characteristics? And today also Subhuti said, free from the idea of an ego entity, free from the idea of a personality, free from the idea of a being, free from the idea of a separated individuality. So it's fair to say that the monks of the Eastern and Western halls came together as one when Nansen challenged them. They came together in their seeing the cat as a fixed entity. A being, a separated individuality. In his commentary, Engel says, Some say that the holding up of the cat is it. Some say it lies in the cutting. But actually, these bear no relation to it at all. If he had not held it up, then would you still spin out all sorts of rationalizations? You are far from knowing that this ancient... Nansen, had the eye to judge heaven and earth, and he had the sword to settle heaven and earth. Who was it, after all, that killed the cat? This is a koan within a koan. The monks could not respond. Or another way to put it is, the monks hesitated. This happens so often in koans, right? There's a challenge from the teacher. The monk hesitated. The teacher. This happens all the time in our lives, right? A koan presents itself. What are you going to do? Uh, well, uh, let's see, last time, uh, this sort of thing, um, I read a, a, in a book about, uh, let's see, uh, Eckhart Tolle says, um, or maybe it was somebody else, who was that? Uh, I don't know, but there must be a way to approach this situation. Maybe I'll go to my counselor, or she'll have a good idea. Let's talk about it some more. Maybe we can figure out some... 
By this time, that cat is dead. How do you save beings? That's why Engo says, when the true imperative goes into effect, the ten directions are subdued. The true imperative, what is this? This is Rinzai. And act, act! The ten directions are subdued. The deepest lakes are drained. The mountains are toppled. What ten directions? Then Ingo says, stick your head out beyond the heavens and look. Can you feel what it's like to stick your head out beyond the heavens? And look, come on, not down there. Wake up. Stick your head out beyond the heavens. Feel your spine lengthen. Feel the crown of your head go through the ceiling. What's to stop you? Accept your own ideas about this so-called material characteristic. So when you stick your head beyond the heavens and look, who's there? Then Ingo says, the fact is that at the time he really did not kill. Aren't you relieved? (laughs) Again you fall back into killing and not killing. Oh, thank God, he didn't kill the cat. No! Then you're killing the cat. Engo says, this story does not lie in killing or not killing. It is not to be found in emotions or opinions. Just see it right on the edge of the knife. If it exists, all right. If it does not exist, all right. If neither exists, if it neither exists nor doesn't exist, that is all right too. That is why an ancient said, when at an impasse, change. When you can change, then you can pass through.
Isn't this wonderful advice for us in our lives? How many here feel you are at an impasse of some sort or another? And that the impasse is impassable because you have given it some kind of solidity and permanence. But when you change, there is nothing that cannot be passed through. You just walk right through. So what does it mean to change? Change is happening all the time. Nansen, with one swift cut, changes the universe. And Engo says, when Nansen held up the cat in this way, he could not have been telling people they should be able to say something. And he says, if you can say a word. He just wanted people to attain on their own. Act on their own and know for themselves whether the water was warm or cool. This is why we're here. This is what we are here for, to find out for ourselves. So the question that comes up in this story is, what about this cat? What can be killed? This is what we must ask ourselves. What can be killed? Can Buddha nature be killed? Can a temporary form called cat be killed? Any temporary form has no substance. How can it be killed? And yet, this and yet is very important. Immediately we identify with that cat and we think about our own impending death. And we think about how much we want to preserve the form we are in. Maybe we don't say so, but lurking underneath our nice Zen demeanor, 
is this, I want to live, I want to live, I want to live, I want to live. And we certainly don't want to have a great Zen teacher fall into the terrible karma of killing, do we? So our usual way of seeing creates this kind of fear and consternation. And it takes quite a shock for us to be pried loose from that clinging. While I was looking into this case again for I don't know how many how many times I've I've uh, it's such an important case whether it's 14 or 63 This time I was reminded of the death of my brother, which happened in 1976. Not long after we had left Daibusatsu and we're coming up to Syracuse because my first husband was taking the job of a year's teaching for Houston Smith, who was on sabbatical. And the only reason I felt I could bear the thought of coming to Syracuse was that my brother was here. And he was in the process of uh, finishing. He did his four years of Syracuse University in three and was about to start graduate school here in literature. So we had these plans to come up here at the end of the summer. But in July, we went to visit my parents. And we were sitting around, it was my stepfather's birthday, and wondering if Jonathan, my brother, would be able to get away from the work that he was doing in Syracuse to join us. He was doing a lot. He. Uh, in addition to his school, he was an RA for the summer program. He was working for a local company in carpentry. He was creating sculpture, and he was playing saxophone in a jazz group, among other things. And so we weren't sure if he would make it or not. 
And then we heard a car. And we thought, ah, he is coming. This was quite far in the, in the country. Long driveway. But the car that came was a police car. And they stopped and they got out and they wanted to know, are you the family of Jonathan Shayat? And they said, he was riding his bicycle and was hit by a car and is dead. And my mother screamed, No! And my stepfather was in total shock. And so they said, someone has to go and identify the body. And I knew they could not do that. So I said, I will go. Now I hadn't seen my brother for a number of years, having been at Daibasatsu and his busy schedule here and various family matters. We had only seen each other one two-hour period in the spring when we had come up here so that Lou could speak with the faculty at the religion department about taking on Houston's classes. And so I went to the coroner's office and there in this room behind glass was a body looked like uh, a lumberjack beard, hair red plaid shirt not my little brother and I looked at this body and I was about to say no that's not my brother but then I realized maybe it is And the unreality of it all was so striking. There was no one there. So I thought, well, there is nothing. I might as well say, okay. I will call this nothing my brother. So I signed on the dotted line. And that's the story that came to me when I was thinking about this cat. No substance, no inherent reality. These are 
perhaps abstract ideas until we come into this face-to-face experience. What is life? What is death? Dogen, a very famous passage that I know I've quoted many times to various people in his section Life, Death in the Shobo Genzo I will read to you When there is life Just let life be life. When death comes, face it and offer yourself. Don't love one and hate the other. This life-death is the very life of the Buddha. If you hate it, you lose the very life of the Buddha. If you dwell in samsara and cling to it, you also lose the life of the Buddha and you have only a lifeless Buddha. Only when you neither love nor hate are you in the heart of the Buddha. Buddha. 